0: The ABC's Word Wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Raleigh Sussex.
1: Yes, he's here. The ABC's Word Wizard, Roly Sussex, OAM Emeritus Professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland. And he's here willing and able to talk to you about words, language and linguistics and specifically today about the words and language that you can use to thank, accept, or decline. Uh, ABC Radio Brisbane in Queensland welcomes you fondly as ever Professor, thank you for joining us. Um, Good afternoon. Of course th- the thing is in some cultures you have to be pretty careful with compliments in case it puts too much pressure on the other person and uh, they'd feel obliged to deflect or decline the compliment. This is one of the questions that I want to put to you Rolly, where do we begin?
0: We begin by probably asking the person where they come from because in Asia there's a group of countries which follow generally Confucian principles. Now Confucian, Confucius was a Chinese philosopher of the 6th century BC and he did a book called The Analects. And the Analects is a series of bits of guidance about how to live an ethical life. It's not a religious book. It's a sort of social guidance book. And one of the things he is very insistent on is you must be very considerate about the good feelings of the other person. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. Now, one of my students, one day, a lady from Vietnam who was super clever, um, gave me a bit of her PhD to read, I read it, and uh, I said when she came in to discuss it, hey, this is fantastic stuff, just about publishable, and she looked very uncomfortable, and I said, well, what have I done? And she said, you are not meant to talk to me like that. And I said, I'm your supervisor, I've got to tell you how good it is. And she said well please find another way to do it wow. because vietnam korea china in particular and japan are all confucian countries and they all have this rule about being very considerate and not making the other person feel uncomfortable because if you receive a compliment and accept it it means you're a bit up yourself so if i say to you you're, you've got such a clever have you got a son uh,
1: i have a little girl
0: a little girl. Okay, your daughter is so elegant, and you would probably say, "Well, I'm sure your daughter is much more elegant." In other words, you've got to turn the compliment away, not actually accept it in that sense. Now, this is is something which is specific to certain cultures. Um, in Europe, generally speaking, you give compliments wherever, and uh, a lot of people are very happy to receive them, and it's part of good interreaction. You know, I mean, if you're at someone's house and they turn on a lovely dinner, you, you gush a bit over the quality of the food, the wine and the, and the prawns, and that's entirely appropriate. But in some parts of the world, it isn't. And you need to have some cultural education about this in order to know what you can and what you can't do.
1: So to your student, did you manage to find another way to compliment her indirectly?
0: I just talked about the quality of the work rather than her. Um, instead, ah. of, instead of saying rather rather than you are such an exceptionally intelligent person, which was true, uh, we, we we concentrated on the quality of the work and the way in which it could be improved. And that kind of got around it. But ever since then, I've been much more circumspect about offering straight-out compliments, particularly personal ones, to students from that part of the world. Very important.
1: So is it considered vulgar then to be so overt in your appreciation for a person? Is that, is that the key here?
0: I think that's one of the keys, and it's not so much vulgar as inconsiderate. Okay. Um, you know, you're making me feel bad because you're loading this stuff on me and I've, I've got to field it and turned it around somehow. And um, in Confucian societies, for example, Freud said to us, um, don't bottle it up, get it out, you'll feel much better. Um, That in a Confucian society is the ultimate bad manners because you're dumping your feelings on the others and maybe making them feel bad. So if you've got... No bad feelings, negative feelings, worried about your health or whatever. Keep it to yourself.
1: That's quite interesting. I had a, a fairly, I suppose, um, waspish upbringing. And so far it was all very, um, <laughs> very Anglican. You and me both. Very yes. Anglican. So a few words uh, about feelings said, if ever. Um, very... Counted to what is promoted these days in regards to things like mental health and, and that's a very important um, turn in culture I think that we're oh, yes. still working through. Better to say you're not feeling very well than say nothing at all and suffer in silence sometimes. So it's funny that there's that crossover. I'm wondering just from a, a language point of view, are you saying then um, that when it comes to uh, Confucian culture or others where this is the case, you mm. aren't using personal pronouns? I mean, how does that affect the words that you use?
0: Um, well, I, I think you, in Chinese anyway, in quite a few Asian countries, if the, if the pronouns are evident from the context, you can just leave them out. Uh, so you wouldn't say he is crossing the street. If you can see a person doing it, you say just say crossing the street and that's fine. Um, but there are ways, you know, forms of address. For example, people from Asia are very punctilious about titles and so they would call me professor, and that made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, Now, my students were all graduates, they were all late 20s, early 30s or beyond, all professionals, and one of the things we did at the University of Queensland in my classes and my colleagues' classes in applied linguistics was to say, please call us by our first name, we want our our classroom to be a place of exploration and discussion. And for the Asian students, this is like having a hernia. It was really hard. Um, But they got onto it, and these people are now my very fine friends and proud graduates. Uh, But when I'm in their country in particular, uh, we tend to use titles, uh, because that's the norm in that place. And when in Rome do as the Romans do, uh, what you've got to be good at is working out what the Romans are doing because a lot of English people just go overseas and blast ahead as if they'd never left home. Uh,
1: I guess another aspect to this is the the casual way that maybe Australians might speak, even at formal events. You know, bloody great to meet your mate at a, at a, mm-hmm. at a cousin's wedding. Uh, I'm, I'm picking up that probably wouldn't be appropriate in Seoul.
0: Nope. Uh, and indeed, particularly in in. Events where there's a lot of ritual and you know weddings and funerals and so on there's a lot of established ritual Um, you would be expected to to behave in in a very circumspect sort of way And I think it's true here as well You know if if you are shall we say the mayor of a town and you're opening the bridge You don't say time. I opened this bloody bridge That would be disrespectful to the people who turned up for the event and to the people who'd built it and you no know, in, in all sorts of ways expressing probably too much informality one one of the ones I really like is the whole issue of, of, of please and thank you. Um, and this was brought to my attention. One of my Singapore students said, why do you thank the bus driver in Australia? Oh. Uh, well, hang on. We do anyway. You've gone from A to B safely, and you're leaving the company of the bus driver and the people in the dress, and you know you want to express your appreciation of a job well, well carried out. So you say thank you as you leave. And the Singapore person said to me, listen, Australians in Singapore say thank you all the time. And they sound very insincere because they're throwing thank you all over the all over the place for any little um, task that they're expressing recognition of. Whereas in Singapore, you only thank someone if they've put themselves out significantly in terms of time, inconvenience or money, things like that. And that warrants thanks. Now, this is tricky because people in Singapore speak fantastic English and because they're very competent in English, you get the idea that they are also culturally competent and most of them are. They can behave like Singaporeans or in Australia, they know how to behave like Australians. But if you're in an English-speaking country, or sorry, if you're in a place which speaks English overseas like Singapore or Hong Kong, um, you need to know when please and thank you are appropriate. I remember there was one... Uh, one sign I remember seeing on the London Underground, Mind the Gap. And this is as you're getting out of the underground, don't fall down the hole between the train and the, and the platform. In Hong Kong and Singapore and in Malaysia, in English language signs, it's please mind the gap. <laughs> yes. Now, it's a small thing, but it does indicate, I think, a certain greater attention to politeness and um, care for the other in those places.
1: Professor Raleigh Sussex, your guest this afternoon as ever on a Thursday afternoon uh, after half past one. You're on ABC Radio Brisbane in Queensland if you've just joined in. G'day, my name is Kat. Uh, Professor, quite a few people keen to have a word in your ear this afternoon, politely I know, uh, beginning with Martin at Harvey Bay. G'day Martin, go ahead.
0: Hello, good afternoon Raleigh. There's an increasing trend I notice when people uh, m- radio or, or uh, just being interviewed to end their sentence on a on a high note, like a, a lilt. Whereas mm-hmm. we were taught at school, when you come to the end of the sentence, you you uh, don't put much pitch in it. Now, where mm-hmm. has this come from? The Irish? No, it's well it one part of it certainly began in australia in the 70s and there's been some great research on this probably with teenage females and uh, it gradually spread through the population and as these people age they're continuing to do it as they grow older and people like you and me who don't do this um, are sometimes made to feel a little uncomfortable by folks looking at us and saying you know you sound as if you're being a bit insistent about this um, it's called HRT, High Rising Tone, um, or in America they call it UpTalk, and quite a few dialects and, in fact, varieties of English in America do it as well. And it was originally, apparently, a kind of question, um, I've got so far, is it okay if I go on? So it's a sort of request for permission to continue. But, after a while, it lost even that meaning, and now it's got no meaning at all. It is just the default intonation in Australian English for people under about forty. And I won't do it and can't do it, and I'd feel very <laughs> funny if I did. but it is it is a default intonation. People from some overseas countries say, "Why are you guys asking questions all the time?" And it's not questions. it's simply an intonation which is part of our English now..
1: Yeah, uh, I hear it all the time. Martin, thank you very much. Excellent observation. Uh, We'll just keep moving this afternoon because uh, quite a few of you are keen to chat with Rolly, who is with you every Thursday afternoon. Christine in Townsville. G'day, Christine. What's on your mind? Oh, good afternoon to you both. Uh, I'm just a little bit intrigued. The word nuclear,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, well, it's straightforward, but... There was a discussion about this, and our local ABC presenter pronounced what I thought was
0: nuclear as nuclear. So mm-hmm. this begs the question,
1: is there such a word as
0: nuclear? Mm-hmm. No, the answer is not And someone ought to have told President George W. Bush this. Um, There are two words in English which go clear, and one of them is nuclear and the other one is cochlear, which is that um, piece of part of your ear. And the cochlear implant is one of the beautiful bits of Australian research and uh, and medical practice. All of the other words uh, are like muscular. C-U-L-A-R. And for some reason, President Bush decided that that was the pronunciation of nuclear. And uh, uh, there's a lovely bit of footage from a a news conference where one of the journos said, uh, President, um, would you tell us what your view is about the nuclear? And he said, no, 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 it's nuclear. And she said, yeah, that's right, the nuclear. And he said, no, 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 you've got to get this right. It's nuclear. And eventually the journo desisted and just persisted, you No, know, gave, gave her a question without bothering about the pronunciation. But in fact, the president had it wrong.
1: Dear and dear, the president had it wrong. Shock, horror. ABC Radio, yes. Brisbane and Queensland. Thank you so much, Christine. Uh, Chris in Cooktown. Good day, Chris.
0: How are you both this afternoon?
1: Good, thank you, sir. What's on your mind?
0: Um, well, I think it's relevant. Back in the 70s, I went to high school in Brisbane, and a very English English teacher that we had, she wrote words on the board and got, got us to pronounce those words. And she said, please pronounce that word, and I said, mischievous. Mm-hmm. And I got it right, but someone else said, mischievous, mm-hmm. and she really frowned on that And um, anyway, many years later, talking to other people, it seemed to depend where we came from or where we did our schooling, which was the pronunciation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm afraid this is one of those ones which people do fall over, and there are thousands of words which end in O-U-S, and there are others which are I-O-U-S. And uh, it's easy to get them mixed up. But I'm afraid mischievous and grievous are both, they're meant to be pronounced like that, and mischievous and grievous are both wrong. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, sometimes in schools, the teacher hasn't quite got it sorted out and passes on to the students a pronunciation which actually is is not the one you want. And there are people around who will find mischievous and grievous extremely irritating and will will ridicule it. So... Mischievous, writing mischievous, that that's down, right. It means been adversely coming to an end.
1: Mischievous and grievous, did you say, Rolly? Is that correct? Grievous, grievous? and mischievous, okay. yes. <clears> okay. <throat> I certainly wouldn't pronounce it any other way from this point of course on. Not. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. John is on Thursday Island. And, John, you're reading Water Babies at the moment, which has given rise to a question. What What's the word you've um, you've found in the book?
0: Well, uh, it's amazing. Omnium gatherums. It's a very descriptive paragraph of a Mm. stream in flood, and it ends up stating Omnium hyphen gatherums. So I had to Google Mm. it.
1: Yeah, I've never heard it before. Rolly?
0: And what did you find? It's a Finnish death metal band (laughs) name, and also of all things... Yeah, well, um, the Omnium is Latin, and that means of all, but the Gatherums bit, there's no TH in Latin, and so this is a kind of a, um, I think it's a spoof one which has been put together for fun. Um, by the way, John, I haven't been to TI for years, but do give it my very best. It's a marvellous place. Okay, it's actually Prince of Wales I'm living on, so more like Beach. Oh, you're at right that. okay. Yes, yeah, so I'm looking. Oh, that that is indeed TV. special. Um, no, so Omnium gatherum. I'm sorry. Um, people do play with Latin a great deal, and sometimes they get it right, and very often they get it wrong. And this one, I think, is a deliberate play on words.
1: Thank you very much, John. Just briefly before we hit the two o'clock news, Peter in Ottawa. Peter, quickly, what what would you like to know today?
0: Um, I just wonder if know knows the origins of the sporting chant, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oh, good one. Well, um, Aussie, 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 Oi, 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 I think it was one of the Olympics, but I can't remember which one. Uh, I'll have to go back and, and chase that up because Aussie for Australian is, is quite old now. And it's uh, the Aussie, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi became a, 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 you know, a, an encouraging noise for, for Australian athletes from the, from, the, uh, from the people on the bleachers. And the bleachers, by the way, is an American word.
1: Well, that's a bit of homework. I'll for find Raleigh. out, Peter. Peter, well done. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, professor Rowley Sussex, your guest every Thursday afternoon on ABC Radio, Brisbane and Queensland. Professor, uh, time for your last word.
0: Right. This is insults. We might do insults one day. They're good fun. Oh, OK. Here here comes one. You're so stupid you got fired from the M&M factory for throwing out all the Ws.
1: <laughs> oh, Professor. Always a pleasure and a privilege. Thank you so very much for your time.
0: Thank you cat bye bye on your radio and online
1: at home or on the road
0: this is abc radio